BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. From KQED. I'm Erica Cruz-Guevara, and welcome to The Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. Part of my commute to work is a bus that goes straight down Market Street and through downtown San Francisco. Now, I'm a window seat kind of gal, and I like to spend most of my commute listening to music and staring out the window. And what I see is downtown isn't empty per se, but it's definitely not how I remember it before the pandemic. And what's happening here has big implications for the future of the entire city. Before the pandemic, downtown and kind of the surrounding neighborhoods were responsible for about 70% of the city's GDP. And that has really big ramifications on the city's budget. You've probably heard a lot of stories about downtown San Francisco by now. Like all those big companies pulling out, all the stores closing, like the Westfield Mall. That, plus fears about crime and safety and all those empty buildings, has people wondering what's being done to save downtown. I mean, one of the terminologies I've been trying to coin is is the boom loop. What are the small things we can kind of start adding up to actually make it um, more of a positive reinforcing cycle rather than a negative reinforcing cycle? Today, the present and future of downtown San Francisco. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of The Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. 
Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. The types of people I like to talk to are just the people that are the security guards, the access control people, the doormen. They're the ones who are there every single day. Kevin Trong is a business and economics reporter for the San Francisco Standard. A lot of them, especially when they can kind of compare it to their pre-pandemic experience, they do mention this sort of comparative deadness. And when I talk to a lot of small business owners, they they talk a little bit about the um, uncertainty and volatility. Uh, Whereas they used to have kind of steady business, a steady lunch rush. Now there's days when it's actually really busy. There are some days when there's just nobody there at all. And it's just really difficult to run a typical small business when you have that sort of uncertainty. Do we have any numbers on just how vacant downtown San Francisco is right now? So there's a few different ways that activity and vacancies and foot traffic are uh, measured downtown. One is cell phone data, um, so the amount of people using their cell phone in a particular area. And by that measure, San Francisco is near the bottom of the list of a kind of a recovery of its city center. Um, the other thing is a badge swipe data. So when, when you kind of go in and out of the office and in those numbers, San Francisco's recovery is around 40 percent. Uh, you compare that to the national average, it's about 55 percent. It's lower than many other cities uh, around the country. Why has it been so bad compared to other cities? I I think there's a few structural factors. One of them is the kind of companies that really drove San Francisco's, I guess, economic boom over the last decade. The technology companies that came in and really injected a lot of money into the city, those are the same companies that enabled the kind of technology that we're um, using on a day-to-day basis to kind of do remote work, to do hybrid work. They're the same companies that are more willing to pull back um, during times of uh, economic strife or, or uh, economic troubles. And they're the, the, the kind of companies that are most able to do so, particularly in the mid-market neighborhood, um, which is particularly troubled and, um, and has been the kind of subject of a lot of, of headlines and consternation from city officials and, and residents at large. How is what's happening downtown affecting the city more broadly? Before the pandemic, downtown and kind of the surrounding neighborhoods were responsible for about 70% of the city's GDP. And that has really big ramifications on the city's budget. We have a two-year around $780 million budget deficit. And that really impacts, you know, not just downtown and, and its ability to recover, but the ability for the city to provide the, the kinds of services and resources that we've come to expect in, in, a, in a really wealthy city. But I know that there's also been a lot of fear about crime and homelessness and the fentanyl crisis downtown that has also, in a lot of people's eyes, uh, impacted foot traffic. Can you talk about that sort of part of it? A lot of the focus around San Francisco's downtown has been around um, criminal activity, public safety, um, and that, that has really impacted not necessarily tourism writ large, but I would say business travel tourism. A really large part of San Francisco and downtown San Francisco's economy 
was the convention travel. A lot of people would come in uh, using the Moscone Center or other surrounding venues, and it would basically be this influx of new people who would go spend money, put money on their corporate cart or what have you. And that just has really, really fallen off a cliff. And if you look at violent crime numbers in San Francisco, they're really quite low, um, even, even amongst other peer cities around the country. But one of the things where San Francisco does stand out, unfortunately, is in areas of property crime. Viral incidents of, you know, either shoplifting or, or folks getting their car broken into. Um, and that has sort of colored people's perception. I mean, I, I've had many conversations with tourists who have come in or folks who have maybe considered coming here. And a, a lot of what we talk about, at least initially, is that. That comes up sometimes before the Golden Gate Bridge. And that's definitely a change that I've seen over the last few years. I want to talk about ways that the city is trying to save downtown. Low foot traffic, it sounds like, is one really big factor leading to many of the closures that we're seeing there. So what has the city been doing to attract people to downtown? Right, so the city is kind of doing a multifaceted um, approach to, to, to the recovery. And one of their ideas is to kind of turn downtown into a nightlife and entertainment destination. And, and it's kind of interesting, in a lot of cities, to go out, to, to have fun, to go to a concert, you would go downtown. And that's just really not a behavior that San Franciscans have learned. A lot of us go out in our local neighborhoods, our local bars, or we have local music venues and art galleries and you know, our own sort of cultural richness that that is kind of a benefit of San Francisco. Um, so they have to kind of retrain people to do that. So there's a new downtown concert series. Um, there are folks like the Downtown SF Partnership, which is the organization that kind of represents the financial district. What they're trying to do is actually close some alleys and, and roadways and make them more pedestrian friendly, put, put new retailers in, make them a place where you can hang out and talk and chat. One of the other um, things I think is important is this idea of pop-ups, which kind of seems like a small thing. But what I think is important is that it can help people understand that a different version of downtown is possible. So, uh, I, I mean, I've talked to some of the organizers and they described it as trying to create a window to the future. And what about all the empty commercial buildings downtown? What's being done to fill those up? I know city leaders like London Breed have actually been talking about repurposing some of those buildings for other things, right? So her tenor has changed somewhat. I think one of the statements that I really tracked and I, I reported on is when she said, the old downtown is dead, basically, that we need to forget about that and figure out what's what's next. We have to start thinking more creatively about the use of our spaces in downtown like never before. And she actually talked about this on KQED's forum. And when I say change, it's not just about, it can't just be about retail. And it can't just be about uh, office space for information technology, the financial district, accountants. Westfield does not have to be a mall. So one of the pieces of legislation that has been put forward and passed is changes to the planning and zoning code to make the conversion between commercial and residential uses a little bit easier. So we have a lot of these empty office buildings. A lot of them are, you know, built in the 1970s, 1980s, so they're out of date. Um, they're low value. What can we do to actually make this a place where people might want to live and honestly a place where people can live? 
I mean, Kevin, there is a really huge housing need in San Francisco. How feasible is it to actually convert these empty office buildings into housing? Um, So currently there's only one project that has been um, put forward as a downtown uh, conversion. I think part of that is waiting for some of the planning and zoning changes to kind of go through. The other one is like, you know, waiting for some of these property values to go down to a to a level where people can buy them and also put a lot of money into them. It's really, really expensive to turn a building that is meant for something else into housing. You know, I, I talked to one developer. He, he has this idea of like ex, an expired building, that some buildings have a shelf life. And he said something like, if the milk is expired, you wouldn't put it in your coffee, but you also wouldn't put it in your cereal. If these buildings are expired, you want to ter- tear them down and, and make something new rather than turning them into something they weren't meant to be. And I think we'll see some of that. I, I do think we'll see more conversions, um, but some of the structural and planning and zoning and honestly cost challenges are, are, are really difficult to, to overcome. And of course, the city is also working up against these fears around public safety. How has the city planned to address that part of it in order to attract more people? So, I mean, if you look in the city budget, even though we were in this budget deficit, we have actually record spending. And one of the departments that have gotten um, the most spending or the most increase in spending is the police department. Um, So the idea would be to bring basically staffing levels back to 2018 levels. You know, ambassador programs are part of that. Uh, Organizations like Urban Alchemy are, are part of that. And they're also trying to, you know, improve some of the infrastructure like they, there's uh, six million dollars being put forward to the powell street turnaround so that's where kind of a lot of tourists will go kind of you know get off the powell bart and really experience the city for for the first time so they're trying to in, improve some of the infrastructure around that to kind of make it more pleasant and and, and, a, and a nicer more beautiful environment and i i know that everyone keeps talking about how what's happening downtown is sort of this like doom loop cycle where like this one negative event, the pandemic has triggered this series of other bad events that are leaving downtown in the state that it is in now. And I guess I got to ask, like, is this inevitable in some ways? It's yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that. I spoke to uh, Arpit Gupta, um, the NYU professor, whose paper that he he co-authored kind of coined the urban doom loop that has kind of become a, a part of our common vocabulary. And I asked him, "What do people get wrong about this idea of the doom loop?" He kind of thought about it a little bit, and he said, "You know, one of the reasons why I wrote the paper is not to say that this is going to happen." and that this will happen, and this is inevitable. It's to kind of raise the potential for this happening and try to understand what we can do, what stopping mechanisms, what barriers we can put in place to to not just stop the doom loop, but reverse it. I mean, one of the terminologies I've been trying to coin is is the boom loop. What are the small things we can kind of start adding up to actually make it um, more of a positive Um, reinforcing cycle rather than a negative reinforcing cycle. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the show and for sharing your reporting with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. 
That was Kevin Trong, a business and economics reporter for the San Francisco Standard. If you liked this episode, consider sharing it with a friend. This 30-minute conversation with Kevin was cut down and edited by our intern, Jalen Herdman. Our senior editor, Alan Montesilio, scored this episode and added all the tape. The rest of our podcast team here at KQED includes Jen Chien, Cesar Saldana, and Katie Springer. The Bay is a production of KQED in San Francisco. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks for listening. Peace. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 